0: Okay, are we good on the recording? Test one, two. Sounds good, okay. Okay, go ahead. ahead. How do people see monitoring and evaluation in one word?
1: Not again.
2: Challenging.
1: Burdensome or burden.
2: Burden. But I think that that's starting to change. What could monitoring and evaluation be? Um, um, an opportunity. Opportunity. I like that, an opportunity for improvement.
0: What would you say? See, I think for me there might be a lot to learn but that once you, once you do, you can see how useful it is. I wanna make data fun.
2: You're listening to the Monitoring and Evaluation Technical Assistance, or META podcast. Improving the collection, management, analysis, and use of data. To improve outcomes for refugees in the U.S. Brought to you from the International Rescue Committee with the support of the Office of Refugee Resettlement. META.
0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Meta Podcast. My name is Jamie Costigan, and I am the Monitoring and Evaluation Technical Advisor with the IRC's Monitoring and Evaluation Technical Assistance Project. And today, we're going to be talking about mobile data collection technology. What is it? What's all the hype? How can it help refugee service providers in the U.S.? And to share their thoughts today, we have two guests joining us. First, we have Abigail Clark Sayer. IRC's program officer for information systems. Uh, At IRC, Abigail leads the maintenance and development for internal data systems. She's responsible for troubleshooting bugs and issues, monitoring data quality, and responding to data requests. She's also been leading a very exciting mobile data collection pilot program that she'll be talking to us about today. Hi, Abigail. Hey, Jamie. And we're also joined by Rachel Factor. Rachel has been working in refugee resettlement since 2009 in Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Texas on the affiliate and national levels. She has a master's degree in statistics, measurement, and assessment, and she currently works at the Refugee Services of Texas in Austin as the manager of the Refugee Mobile Project. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks for having me. So there's a lot of talk these days about mobile data collection technology, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's gathering information using a mobile device, such as a smartphone or a tablet, and it is used to replace paper and pen data entry, which requires transferring data from the paper to a spreadsheet or other data management system. So Abigail and Rachel, you're both using mobile data collection technology, but in very different ways. Could you both talk to us a bit about how you're using it?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, At the IRC, we've been really eager to explore the possibilities of giving direct service staff tablets or other mobile devices Uh, for years. We've been talking about it for a long time because of the obvious potential to improve efficiency and, and, you know, ultimately effectiveness. You know, we really wanted to, to bring it into the modern era. So through a small investment from our leadership board, we provided iPad minis with unlimited data plans to about 35 staff in four locations as a pilot program. And we really let them run with it. We provided some training on safety, security, and support protocols, but we very intentionally didn't give the pilot participants a lot of guidance on exactly how they should be using the iPads beyond just sort of conveying the primary objectives of the pilot, which were you know, improved data quality, of course, increased efficiency, being able to access data in real time, better use of the downtime that they have occasionally in the field, and hopefully enhance client experience through the use of, of these new tools. And Rachel, how
0: are you going about using mobile data collection technology in, in your work?
1: Sure. So Refugee Mobile is a pilot project uh, that is using mobile technology and mobile data collection. So we're using mobile technology in the goal of our program, which is to put mobile technology in the hands of refugees. We really believe that having a smartphone is so integral to integration and uh, getting along in America. Secondly, we are using mobile data collection. Uh, Refugee Mobile is part of a larger academic study. It's called a randomized controlled trial, which means uh, we have what's called a treatment group, our group who received the refugee mobile phones, and what's called a control group, uh, which is a comparison group who did not receive the special refugee mobile phone. So in order to access outcomes from these two groups, we need to think of a, a solution where we can do some surveys with these clients uh, on the same platform. So we're using an SMS-based survey. Um, it's through a program called TextIt, which is online. So it's able to reach phones that are you know, smartphone-connected or not. Um, so in that way, we're, we're getting our survey data. It's a lot less time and a lot less money than uh, doing survey collection through, you know, in-person surveys or even phone surveys.
0: Wow. So it sounds like you're both using mobile data technology in really different ways. But for both projects, I'm sure that what people really want to know about is cost. Sure. So for our SMS survey, we
1: have to use two different platforms. One is called TextIt, like I mentioned, and that is where we can program our surveys And sending and receiving one message through TextIt is about one cent. Sending and receiving the message through an online messaging platform. So instead of having an actual phone send the message, we have this platform called Twilio that sends the message. And sending and receiving messages on that is uh, about half a cent for those messages. Our survey is a uh, 19 to 21 uh, responses, so messages in and out. So that comes to about $0.54 cents or so per survey.
0: And Abigail, for, for
2: your programs, are there costs that people should be aware of? For us, the biggest cost wasn't purchasing the iPads or the tablets themselves. Um, the biggest cost was covering data plans for the tablets. And obviously, since that's an ongoing cost, the cost of the device itself is is really minimal in comparison. The data plans that we got, they're about $40 a month for unlimited data. We felt like, at least for the pilot anyway, having an unlimited data plan as opposed to you know 10 gigs a month or 20 gigs a month was a better idea because we were unsure. We didn't really want to have to worry about unforeseen costs associated with overages. So for us, again, I think the data plans were probably the biggest expense.
0: Thanks. This is all really good to keep in mind for budgeting. So we've talked a bit about how mobile data collection technology can be used to collect survey data or information that's collected as part of case management. Are there other ways that it could be used by refugee service providers?
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, our uh, food and agriculture programs are obviously meeting clients in the field. Uh, They're literally in the fields of our community gardens and urban farms. And they've said it would be really useful to have mobile devices for tracking services there. Uh, Also, our immigration programs uh, often conduct citizenship workshops or outreach events away from the office at, you know, local community centers or other locations where there are a lot of people present at once, and it's not feasible to set up as many laptops as they might need. So mobile devices could really help there as well.
1: Uh, one thing I would say about the Texted and Twilio platform using SMS messages is that uh, you can actually set up automated um, chat flows that can help refugees answer questions. Um, So that's not something that we have set up yet with Refugee Services of Texas, but it's something that I'm interested in sort of thinking more about. Um, You know, if refugees have questions, they could text a number. Um, You can even set up automated calling systems. And, you know, in whatever language you want, you can have automated answers. So if clients have, you know, simple questions about, you know, where's the food stamp office or am I eligible for my green card now? Um, you can have that system set up an automated flow of messages that give them the answers they want. And then, of course, on you know, the administrative end, you have a record of all of those questions. So you can keep track of who's asking what kinds of questions, maybe think about different kinds of training that you might need to do with clients if you're getting a lot of the same question.
0: No, that's great because you're, you're really talking there about using it not only as a way of collecting data, but also as a way of improving services. Um, right. you know, Abigail, you also had some findings related to, to the programmatic benefits of mobile technology. Um, so let's jump right into that. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, from your experience, what are some of the lessons learned
2: Sure. So for us, I mean, obviously, one of the big hopes was that providing staff with the means to perform real time data entry or, you know, kind of consecutive data entry when they're meeting with clients was that we'd have better quality data, you know, more complete, more correct, and and more consistent case notes, and and of course, more timely uh, case noting. Um, And that was certainly true, though there were certainly some challenges in that regard as well. And I can speak to those in a second. But more so, you know, staff really said how great it was to be able to make use of downtime. Um, You know, we have staff waiting in lines at the Social Security office or at DHS, Doctors appointments at the airport and being able to make use of that downtime to catch up on data entry, to catch up on case notes was really great. And beyond that, just having access to client data and information in general was was clearly the biggest gain. One caseworker said having an iPad opened up a new world for real-time access to client data in the field and being able to access a client's case file during a home visit answer a question about their EBT card, look up a bus schedule, or even apply for a job. Those are all things that were never possible before.
0: And Rachel, do you want to share some of your lessons learned?
1: Programmatically, uh, in Refugee Mobile, so like I mentioned, we've been doing these text message-based surveys. Before we gave clients uh, the smartphone and also to the control group as well, we conducted uh, an intake survey, which was just in person. And we learned about um, their current and former smartphone use, um, which also helps inform, you know, who can use these technologies and who might need a little more assistance. Uh, So we have both Arabic speakers and Swahili speakers in the program. So, of course, our Arabic speakers are, um, you know, majority Iraqi, Syrian um, and a few other nationalities in there. And Swahili speakers are mostly from uh, the Congo, some from uh, different countries around there. Um, and what we found is that when um, Arabic speakers came to the U.S., about 92 percent of them came with a smartphone already. So they were already familiar with this technology. About 85 percent of them said they were comfortable, you know, hooking into Wi-Fi. Ninety percent of them were comfortable using apps. So that group, we really need to leverage that comfort with technology and as an organization, really respond to that by giving them, you know, the tools on this platform that they can use. Now, on the other hand, our Swagili speakers were less comfortable with smartphones, and fewer of them came to the U.S. with a smartphone in hand. We had about 60 percent of them had owned a smartphone at some point in their lives, and about the same number came with that smartphone in hand. We only had about a little less than 50 percent of them were comfortable with using Wi-Fi and using apps. Um, so, you know, as a program, we need to look at that and say, this group could absolutely benefit from having a smartphone, from learning how to use it, um, but that we just need to put in additional resources in teaching them how to use it and, and really how to use those apps to integrate into life into the U.S.
0: That's really interesting, uh, thinking about some of the cultural barriers to, to mobile data collection. Uh, and it'll be interesting, you know, if you do future programs where you're looking at providing a little bit more training to users on the technology to see if that actually changes. Um, so if someone is thinking about using mobile data collection technology, Beyond some of these barriers, what are some of the things that you think they should consider? How should people get started thinking about if mobile data collection technology is is the way to go, uh, how should they start planning for that?
2: Well, one of the things that we focused on in our pilot was really trying to help staff access the databases that we use currently to track services. And one of the biggest challenges that we ran into was that those databases don't have responsive web design, even though they can be accessed on a mobile device. They're not really mobile-friendly, and so users have to constantly zoom in and out on the screen to complete basic tasks, which isn't a great user experience, and it can result in mistakes. So I would say if that's something that you're planning on having your users do, spend some time trying out different mobile devices and try out accessing those sites, the sites that you're going to be using most commonly, Um, If you find that the sites are not responsive, that they, they don't adjust in size, you know, make a decision about whether or not that's a deal breaker for you. And if it is, then think about some of the alternate methods for capturing that data, like ComCare or ODK. There's ways to capture data on a mobile device and then upload it back at the office to your system. The other thing I would say that I think is really critical is really spend some time developing a safety, security, and support uh, protocol. iPads, tablets, smartphones are much more easily stolen, lost, or broken than a laptop or or a desktop computer. Uh, People need to know what to do, who to call, and what steps to take to prevent any data security breaches. So you need to make sure the devices are configured in such a way that they're going to remain locked when not in use and so that you can uh, wipe them remotely uh, if they've been stolen or lost. There's also some options you might want to think about when it comes to a warranty or sort of extended warranty. Most tablets come with one year, but if you don't have IT support locally, that can also really help with troubleshooting bugs and issues. If Having those extended warranties can be a big help.
0: And Rachel, any points that you would like to add to that? Any recommendations for how people could get started if they're thinking about using mobile data collection technology? Sure. And I mean I can really just
1: speak to using uh, survey collection through SMS. And I think it's it's a really exciting and it's a great idea as long as you know your population has a cell phone, first of all, um, and that they're not changing their cell phone often. That's something that we, you know, we've seen, and that was something we wanted to try to prevent with refugee mobile. So if you feel that in your program, you know, your clients are are constantly switching phones and it's hard to get in contact with them, then you probably don't want to use an SMS-based survey. Um, Something I have also noticed with our Swahili speakers is that, and I don't speak Swahili, but, you know, I've been learning a little bit through these uh, surveys, and I've noticed that there are multiple ways of spelling in Swahili. We get a lot of different iterations of words. And so when you're when you're writing this sort of, you know, program to accept responses, it it becomes rather difficult um, if there is, you know, differences that you're not anticipating. It also happened in Arabic as well. Um, Just a lot of different diacritical marks and and vowels. You know, some clients typed them in, some didn't. And so having to put in all of those iterations into our program uh, to make sure that it was accepted, you know, it was a learning experience. So I think really just looking at the client population and seeing you know how comfortable they are with using cell phones, um, you know what your capacity is as an agency to provide the survey in that language and to really make it efficient because um, you know every every text message in and out is is a cost. It's a small cost, but uh, it also makes it frustrating for the client if they're not being understood. So just keeping those things in mind, It's great for contacting clients who've out-migrated. If you need to survey them or ask them some questions of a private nature that maybe someone wouldn't be comfortable disclosing in person, the text message is is a little bit, it's more impersonal. You don't have somebody looking at you uh, while you're answering questions. Uh, So if you have sensitive questions to ask, that might be a good medium for you.
0: Thanks. So these are all great points that, that both of you have raised today. Um, that's it for today's podcast. Thanks, Abigail and Rachel, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. Please take a look at past podcasts and other resources from Meta on our website, www.metasupport.org, and you can sign up for the Meta newsletter to get our updates. Please tell us what you think of the Meta podcast and what other topics you want to hear about. You can email us at meta at rescue.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at US meta Support. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye, all.